crown has been given the king of our freedom sing for the life has come this is christmas come and adore him bring gifts before him joy to the world worship the sun this is christmas this is jesus great to see everyone this morning. It is great to be here. It's great to be in this season. It's great to uh, worship and uh, anticipate our, our coming King, our Savior Jesus. Um, in the Bible, in, uh, in the story as it's told in Matthew, there's uh, three magi, three kings that uh, are coming and seeking this coming King. And uh, 
they go and uh, meet with Herod, and uh, Herod obviously is not a good guy. Um, so he wants them to kind of, yeah, yeah, come on back when you're done uh, after you see him. Uh, yeah, just tell me. Yeah, tell me where he is so I can go worship him. He wants to actually kill him, but uh, the kings, the magi, they, uh, God comes to them in a vision and tells them, don't go back that way. Go back this way because uh, that's not what I have planned. So uh, Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 9, And they, having heard the king, went their way, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they offered unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Which were not cheap then. They're not cheap today either. You ever try to find myrrh on sale? Can't do it. But, uh... Anyway, sing with us, We Three Kings. We three kings of Orient are Bearing gifts we traverse afar Field and fountain, moor and mountain Following yonder star Time out, time out, time out. So, hymn 167 in your hymn book. 166. 166 in your hymn book. So the uh, computer system got upgraded yesterday. And we had a power outage this morning. So it's been a morning. But we're okay. So you hang on to that hymn book. (laughs) Start it over, he says. All right, you're the boss. Three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. Whoa, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward. 
reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. There's some uh, lines in Hark the Herald Angels Sing that uh, jump out to me and uh, one of them is God and sinners reconciled. Um, The fact that he sent this child to uh, grow as the perfect man and to be the only one that didn't deserve death and, and the only one that could uh, conquer it. And uh, that's, that just blows me away. Um, the fact that he came a man, the, the line veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, puts this uh, mortal body on. I mean, I don't know about you, but I look in the mirror and I'd, I'd like to not be veiled in this sometimes. But uh, and I'm sure it was a bit restrictive for the God of the universe to be Wearing this, 
But, uh, man, what a Savior. <laughs> what a God. Join us as we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Just in case, 153. 33. 133. Sorry. The hearing's going. Too much rock and roll.
king
But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Come abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Amen. You may be seated. Kingdom of Kids, it is about that time for you to exit out those doors. As they go, Pastor John's got some announcements for us.
going to ask the ushers to come. I'm going to receive a morning offering here. But uh, first, before we do, I want to welcome those of you who are visiting today. I didn't get to shake everybody's hands, but I know a few of you are uh, from out of our congregation. We're glad that you're with us. If, um, if you would be so kind, there's a little card in the seat somewhere. You could fill that out and drop it in the offering plate or put it in the box that you see on the right-hand side of the foyer as you leave. We'd just love to be available to answer questions for you and uh, if you have any or get to know you and uh, if you're looking for a church to be able to coach you in that as well. So glad that you're here today. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's almost here. Doesn't look like it anymore after the rain, but it's almost here. So, yeah, wait till tomorrow. Thank you very much for that life speak. But anyway, <laughs> so we're glad you're here. I want to thank uh, a few people because uh, two, three people, at least four people, I think, put in like full day's work yesterday trying to get this place all squared away. Bob Nywinning, Ryan, um, Adrian. Where are you? I saw them around today. So trying to get this technology up and running. Who did I leave out? You, Brian. You were around. Did I say you were ready? Okay. Mike Hopper, whoever else was here uh, trying to make this place work. And then we have a power outage on top of it. Praise the Lord, everybody. Doesn't get any better. And they did a great team this morning, right? It made it work anyway. So thank you, Jesus, right? Uh, I'm going to pray. We'll receive the offering this morning. Then I'll make a few announcements and uh, we'll move ahead with the rest of our service. Let's pray together. Well, Friday night, Lord, there were a, a bunch of Harmony Christian School students singing to the glory of God in this room. And it was really kind of a neat time. And I repeated my story, and I want to go as witness as I pray, Lord, and give you thanks that when you gave me new birth, the words of these songs became reality for me. O little town of Bethlehem, cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. It's possible to have the Savior's spirit Give us new birth today. Hark the herald angels sing. Jesus came, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us second birth. If that's not true, then it's all a nice season of emptiness. But because Jesus did come into the world, God in the flesh, taking on veiled in flesh, as our brother reminded us this morning, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. We bless you and worship you today, and Lord, we desire everyone in the sound of our voice this morning to know Jesus and his new birth, or Christmas is basically a loss for you. Lord, we want that wonderful gift of new life, and we want to see it worked out in our lives. Thank you, Father, for the saints in this place that have been leaning in to hear from your Spirit and have that renewing work continue. We thank you and we praise you. We thank you for meeting our needs. We thank you that uh, usually the electricity is on. We're grateful. 
We were pondering this morning, and I've been in churches way out in the wilderness where there is no electric and no running water and all of that kind of thing, and yet the saints made it their point to worship you and glorify you. And we have it a lot easier in some ways and challenging in other ways, but we choose to bear witness that you are our Savior and that we love you. So here we are gathered today to give you praise and honor and glory. And one of the ways we do that is serving you with our time and our talent and our treasures. And as we give treasure back to you, which, by the way, is really all yours. You just loan us some that we can live on it. Please take it and use it and expand it as we're waiting on you for meeting needs, pressing needs, as we want to see your kingdom work expand at Harmony. Strengthen your servants. Bless them. Lead them by the Spirit. Um, God, show yourself able. I still believe, as many of your uh, many servants of God have built kingdom works around the world, that your business done your way will not lack your provision. So we look to you as the one who provides. We return to you out of the abundance you've given us. We worship you with it. We praise you for this morning, the freedom that we have to celebrate our great Savior, not just one who came as a precious baby and that we love this warm, fuzzy feeling, but the other side of the story, Lord, that darkness came, that as he gave up his life, darkness covered the earth. And Lord, the, the veil of the temple was torn in half. People were raised from the dead. And Jesus also was raised from the dead and is victorious today, and that's why we have hope. We bless you and worship you for the full package of Christmas today. In the great name of Jesus, we pray, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. If you would be so kind, thank you. So i got a couple of announcements to make. There'll be one about uh, the cookie walk, which uh, went on yesterday, and Pastor Tim's going to hit that in a minute, make his sales pitch. I think we have a sales pitch. We will be scheduling a baptism. Um, we want to welcome the new year in with uh, a new member induction. And we've got people waiting in the wings, and at least one person has to get baptized. No one else has said anything. I'm not drumming up business. I'm just saying, if you need to do that, uh, it's an act of obedience and following the Lord. So we will have that, and then as we enter into the new year, we're hoping to have a, a new induction of members at Harmony. That's cool, isn't it? When we consider where we were eight years ago, before I got here, that is cool that God has been good to us. Harmony Helpers will have their Christmas party on Thursday, December 19th at 6 p.m. at Elisa Whittle's house. All ladies are invited. Is Elisa in the room or did she disappear? Is she hiding? She's doing angel tree. Okay, so... And if you have any other questions, you can ask us and read the bulletin, and we'll be glad to help. We've been walking with our liturgical brethren, just taking the time to ponder the coming of the Savior. And that's what Advent season is about, looking at the weeks, thinking about. And we pirated the Advent season with our own little series out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, you all have it memorized. Come back next week anyway. We're just going to light another candle because we've already done, I don't have a mic.
Wonderful Counselor was done by Dr. Dennis Ashley, who's also a counselor. Mighty God. That was Pastor Derek last week. A God had to be mighty enough to deal with the problem of sin. And can I just say, sometimes today we don't even know what sin is. And we don't realize that we have a problem that desperately needs to be dealt with. We needed a mighty God. Today, we're talking about the everlasting father and our brother Tim, who has lost his father, who was in ministry, is going to bring that word to us today. Brother Tim. I had to get my workout in for the week. All right? I guess so. Uh, a couple of things that kind of popped into my head this morning as we were singing uh, We Three Kings. Um, if I had really thought about it, and my wife probably knows where I'm already going with this, um, if you're bored later and you want to see something really fun, go on YouTube, type in Claymation Christmas, We Three Kings. You will never sing that song the same again. I promise you. And ch I'm challenging you. Go home and you'll call me or whatever. I'll see you next week and be like, you're right. I will never in my life be able to sing that song the same way again. You won't. It's a challenge. I'm just trying to get YouTube hits. No, I'm just kidding. And the second thing is my, my wife and I were talking this week, and I was trying to figure out, what was I going to wear today? And I know that's all like, <laughs> I know. Sometimes she keeps me in check, and I said I could wear my standard issue preacher outfit, which is usually the dress shirt with the sweater vest, which Dr. Ashley wore on his Sunday, and Pastor John was also in that two weeks ago. But then we said Derek wore a flannel and khakis last week, and since it has been documented that he is far more spiritual, I'm going with a flannel shirt and khakis. Now, I also add the beard element to it, so I'm not sure where that goes. So Pastor John, uh, he was gracious and let me talk about the cookie walk yesterday. Uh, we had a great, I can't even say day, because if you were here at 11.30, it was just about done. Uh, we opened the doors a little bit before 10 o'clock, and by like 11, it was just people after people after people. Uh, yesterday, uh, the cookie walk goes towards the Carol Nauta uh, Missions Fund, which is, uh, 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 it's not necessarily, I can't think of the word, it escaped out of my head. Uh, it's a sponsorship, yes, thank you, for missions trips for our students at the school. Uh, it's been involved in helping, I think, our church as well in, 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 in going on to missions trips. And uh, it's, it's set up in her honor as she was someone who had a heart for missions. And uh, it was really great to interact with some of the people that talked about their experiences. And I had an alumnus who came through, and he said, oh, I remember when I went to Haiti, and it was so much fun, and I learned this about myself. So there's some awesome things that can happen through missions work. And uh, yesterday, they raised over $3,300. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. You can clap for that. That's cool. Yeah. Now, um, my sales pitch is real simple. If you missed out on cookies, there are mystery boxes in the hallway. They are already tagged with how much they are. They're sold by the weight. There's boxes for $10. There's boxes for $8. There's boxes for $13. Uh, if you want to get a box you can do so. If you want to, uh, I've been asked to, uh, you can turn money into myself or to Jason Nauta, who's in the back, 
and we will make sure that it gets to Mrs. Chindano. Uh, so if you missed yesterday, or you're like, you know what, I could really go for some cookies, or if you would just simply like to make a donation to the uh, Missions uh, Scholarship Fund, by all means. That's our plug for today. Uh, so I appreciate it. Yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, I am Pastor Tim, and uh, Pastor John is right. Uh, six years ago, uh, I lost my dad to a, uh, a very aggressive battle with cancer. And it's, it's tough this time of year because this uh, is my dad's favorite time of year. Christmas at our house was insane. I think he may have decorated more than my mom did when we were kids, especially the tree. And so now when I have some of these, I, I'm, I'm a minimalist when it comes to decorating. I'm far more like function over fashion. Like, I'm okay with taking egg crates and throwing a sheet over them, and that's my TV stand. It's totally fine. Thankfully, my wife doesn't feel that way because our house would look empty. But I can remember uh, the Christmas tree. My dad's favorite thing was decorating the Christmas tree. And uh, thinking about how awful and hideous and gaudy. And it was everything you would imagine for a 1980s tree. From like as far back as I can remember till he passed away every year. The thick garland rope, the stuff that like chokes cats and tinsel and big colorful lights. I mean, there was no room for anything. And it was just, it was fun as I've been preparing over the last couple days and weeks uh, looking towards this, both kind of like, man, might be able to get through this. Typically around this time of year, if I speak, I get choked up and I get a little misty-eyed. And So if that happens today, don't freak out. It's all good. It's joyful memories. Because what we're going to look at today is the Eternal Father. This, this uh, positional character trait of Christ. And our text has been uh, Isaiah chapter 9. And I have uh, these verses, and we're going to read them again. It says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for who you are. As we've, we've heard about this wonderful counselor and this mighty God, and now this week, the everlasting Father. And next week, as we look forward to the season of Advent, we look forward to this idea of the Prince of Peace. And not only that, but how all four of these tie together and they point to who you are, what you do for us now, what you've done for us in the past, and God, what you will continue to do to us, for us, with us in the future through your Son. So God, I pray that you would just open our ears and hearts, open our minds, Lord, that we would just be able to listen without distraction. God, that you would just work in our lives and challenge us, Lord, to, to find a way to, to grab hold of this and to understand that you are an eternal Father. And God, what that means to us, uh, we, we may not understand, but hopefully maybe today we'll have a, a deeper understanding, not just of what that means, but who you are. So, God, I just ask that you allow me to speak plainly and clearly, and that, uh, Lord, today just something, something would stick, and we would just continue to move forward. So, God, we ask these things in your name. Amen. We've been introduced to these titles over the last couple of weeks, 
wonderful counselor, mighty God. They've all had these two parts to them, and this is no different. Eternal Father. The first couple of verses of Isaiah chapter 9, I'm just going to read them real quick because I, I think it's important to understand what we're looking at when we look at this Christ child and how these titles, to think about these titles being applied to a child, to a baby. It's an awesome thought. And it says in verse 2, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And you shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior and the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. And then we jump into our text verses. See, this wasn't a happy time. When, when this message is being delivered, there's a lot of war, there's a lot of famine, there's a lot of really nasty things going on. And Isaiah talks about the people are walking in darkness. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that Dr. Ashley had mentioned that the people were walking in darkness, but then they are looking, there is a light that's going to come. And in this light, it's going to be in the form of a child, and this child is going to carry these specific names. Uh, wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and this morning... Everlasting Father. I thought that it was only appropriate to put the Hebrew up on the thing. I don't read Hebrew. I don't speak it. I am not going to lie. I clicked that microphone to make sure I didn't mispronounce it. And I was like, this was actually the easiest word. There's like no to it or anything. It's just aviad. That's it. Aviad. And that's the Hebrew word for eternal father. And there's two parts to it. And the first is this idea of eternal. Everlasting. Perpetuity. And that's a financial term, and some of you might understand that. And, and I'm going to, uh, when I read it, I thought of something, and I'll tell you in a minute. But a perpetuity is an annuity that has no end or a stream of cash payments that continues forever. And you're probably like, what does money have to do? Just stay with me here. Sometimes I get a little crazy. And this is one of those times, I'm not going to lie. Because when I read this, and I read perpetuity, and all I could think was, I know that's a financial term, and that's really interesting to me, but there's a continued stream of something coming. And all I could think in my head when I read that, when I saw annuity, was I have a structured settlement, and I need cash now, right? <laughs> Call JG. What? Because that's what, a, that's what it is. There's a structured settlement. Over a period of time, you're going to get a specific something that's going to come in. It's specified, it's determined, but it's limited. And perpetuity, it takes that limited, and it says this is going to continue forever. There's no end to it. And in the same mindset, this eternal, this, this everlasting, there's no end to this characteristic. There's no stop. There's no, uh, oh, well, it's going to end when this happens. No, we know that Christ came. We know that he died. We know that he rose again, that he ascended into heaven, and he is coming back. And at some point, we're going with him. And we will be in his presence eternally everlasting. There is a future that we can't comprehend and understand, 
But Isaiah lays it out and says, let me encourage you with this. You will have a father for eternity. And not just a father, because here's the thing. I thought about this, and I thought, and, and Pastor John had mentioned it this morning, as, as some of us have strained relationships with our father, and I, thankfully, I didn't. I had a really good relationship with my dad. We were incredibly close. We were partners in ministry. It was not just a father and son thing. I, I would say he was probably one of my best friends. And as you go through life, you have seasons where you hate your parents and you don't want to do, I didn't really have that with my dad. My mom and I sometimes. <laughs> but it just for some reason, just always able to, we related to each other. We could talk to each other. He could come to me. I could go to him. It wasn't always perfect, but it was always good. And I think about not everybody has had that experience. And for some people, the idea of father is he's just a figurehead. It's just, it's a title. So when I look at the word father, eternal and father, father is simple. Father is really easy. A man who gives care and protection to someone or something. So when we put these two together, here's what I am presenting to you as my definition. It's the eternal an everlasting father means there is no end to his father ring. That it's not just a person, it's not just a thing, an item that sits eternally idle on standby, that there is an action to what this child is going to do. An eternal fathering. And so I, I put my, my message together, and I'm trying to keep it uh, to the point, and I'm trying to keep it simple, and I'm trying to, three points, and we're going to get out of here, and honestly, I'm going to do my best. Because I know if I get off on rabbit trails, it's going to be like a cry fest, and oh, nobody wants that. I mean, let's see a grown man up here. So Maybe you do. I don't know. No, I'm going to see. This is one of those things, this idea of an eternal fathering. There are three things, like I said, that I put together, and they're the three P's, which are in your notes. And if you're doing the notes, the top, that's the eternal father. That's the note part for that. But the three P's that I have are this. Because he's eternal, this eternal fathering happens in many ways. But the three that I want to talk about today, it the personal aspect of it. This protector provider, or if you want to put an interesting, fun little theological word, providential, protector provider, and this promise that we have in our eternal Father. So we talk about the personal. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 tells us that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means simply God with us. There is a reality to the person of Christ. There is a reality that this is a, it's, it's, it's a person. He was born. He lived. There's historical evidence. There's biblical evidence, which I know for some people are like, well, of course there's biblical evidence. But over the last couple of weeks with our teens, hopefully they remember some of it and were able to take some of it away with them. We did a, a, a little quick mini study that we called Man, Myth, Legend, God. And in that, we took each of those words and we looked at 
Christ the man, who was he? Was he a myth? Was he a legend? Is he God? Which of these fits the bill? And we were able to look at Christ as a man, the person of Christ. And we looked at evidence outside of Scripture, secular historians that were not uh, in agreement with Christianity, but they still pointed to the person of Christ existing, being alive, being crucified, doing some of the things that he did through his miracles. So there is a reality. I can stand firm and look at that and go, there's secular historical evidence, there's biblical evidence, there's evidence from our uh, uh, early church fathers, the apostles, and, and teachers from there, that we can say, I'm confident in saying that Christ was a real person. There is a reality to him. And when we look at his earthly ministry, and we see how he operated, it was very very personal. It wasn't just like a, hey, I'm God and I'm going to do what I want. And if you want to follow me, you can. He sought after people. We see in reading through the Gospels that he was compassionate towards people, that he cared about their spiritual needs and their physical needs. He fed people. He provided money for people. Peter was, I got to pay taxes. How am I going to pay my taxes? And Jesus says, hey, listen, you're going to catch a fish and you're going to find your money in the fish's mouth. Tax season is coming. I am not suggesting you go fishing. Give it a shot. Who knows? I don't know. But there was a personal desire that Jesus had to be involved with people. And personal people, personal relationships. I think about the relationship that he had with Lazarus and Lazarus' sisters. And Jesus gets news that Lazarus is sick and he's dying, and he dies, and then Jesus shows up, and everybody's in tears, and they've probably got like the whole ugly crying thing going on, and they think, if you were only here, and Jesus is wrecked in his spirit, it tells us that Jesus wept. He had sadness. He had love. He had compassion. You don't get sad if you don't have a relationship with someone. I I read something the other day about... um, um, uh, uh, the broadcaster for the Auburn Tigers. It, it came up. Uh, the Iron Bowl was a couple weeks back. If you like college football, there was a, a broadcaster who was hit by a, a, a teenager who was driving under the influence, and him and his wife had lost their life. And I read that story, and while I was I was sad for the families, it, it wasn't personal. And I'm not I'm not trying to sensationalize. One of the things my my dad would do is, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I've never done it. It was never anything in the world that was interesting to me. Maybe some of you, it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing. But he would get the paper, and he would always go through the obituaries. I don't know. I just, to me, I was like, why? He's like, well, just wanted to read about people. See, someone I know died. I'm like, okay. I've never done that. Has never been an interest to me. But if Jesus doesn't have a personal relationship with Lazarus and his sisters, is he going to have this emotional, this, this turmoil within himself where he's crying and he's upset and he's feeling distress? There is a reality to a personal relationship with an everlasting Father, one that has no end to the fathering. And I was thinking about everlasting, eternal fathering. 
And all I could think was, man, it, might, it would be rough to be like 95 and my dad's still saying, did you check the oil? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, dad, really? I'm 95. I think I figured it out. But I'll be honest, he'd probably be right. And I said, no. Really think about it. I mean, those are the traits. Like, we're going to think about the experience that we've had with our eternal fathers. And like I said, for some, it's not that great. And I understand that. And I'm not trying to stand here this morning and paint this picture of you for you that says, oh, you should have a great relationship with your father. If you don't, I pray that something happens and there's a breakthrough and that there is a way that that relationship is fixed. And if it's not, that there's some sort of peace there's some sort of, of understanding that you can come to this morning understanding whatever it is that you have in mind about your earthly father, whatever it is that you would change, whatever it is that I want more love, I want more compassion, I needed more this, if I just had a little bit more of that, I, I'm telling you, Jesus is that eternal father. And we can stand in that. There's this repeated theme that, kind of, that Paul kind of has throughout uh, his, his letters of knowing God, that you would know God, that I would know him, that I would know his suffering, that I would know, and we're going to look at those verses in just a couple of seconds here, but there's this theme that we can know because there is a relationship. There is a personal touch that this child brings as an eternal father. I just think that's awesome. So the next P is this protector, provider, this uh, providential uh, thing. And um, I don't speak Latin, so I won't, I don't even know if I spelled it correctly. But Deus pro nubis nobis, is that correct, Pastor John? Nobis, is there a U in there? I was, I didn't think there was a U. I, I spelled it N-O-B-I-S. I wasn't sure if it was nubis. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I didn't Google this one. I was like, I think, I think I can understand it. And, and it's come to, God for us. Our eternal father, this character, this aspect of fathering, it's, he's personal, he's also for us. And for some of us, for some of you, maybe you didn't have a father who was for you. Again, I'm not trying to... <clears throat> there is a reality to Christ. There is a reality to him being for us. Some verses in Romans that I'll read real quickly. And I only put one up on the board, so we'll get there in a second. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who is against us? And he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And this is the verse that I really like. And Paul is saying here, 
if Christ is for us, if God is for us, and he tells us Christ Jesus is the one, he is the one who died, he is the one who is raised, he is the one who sits at the right hand of God, he's the one that intercedes for us, he's the one who's pleading for us, he's on our behalf, he is for us, he is our eternal father, and he is for us, and even though there's all these things, and he talks about war, and famine, and being in need, and this is the verse to me that just goes, this is amazing, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Overwhelmingly conquer. I like sports. I like them a lot. I like football. And I'm an Eagles fan. Last week's game was not an overwhelmingly conquering feat. And I'm mentioning this because here's the way that we can understand this. We're not talking, it wasn't a blowout win, it was eked out in overtime. That's not overwhelmingly conquering. That's like barely making it through. That's barely getting the job done. And overwhelmingly conquering is something that happens when you look at the scoreboard and it's like, it's 58 to nothing. How did this happen? And by the third quarter, the backup players are in, and everybody's laughing on the sidelines. They're celebrating. They're enjoying this victory. And that's us overwhelmingly conquering what? Nakedness, famine, destruction. Why? Because of what Christ has done. Because of what he stands to offer. When I lived in Alabama, um, I had... uh, used uh, used up pretty much all my resources. I had been in a relationship, and we broke up, and I thought, I'm just going to live here anyway. And then I couldn't live in my apartment anymore because uh, the lady who was the landlord, she was a really bad hoarder, and uh, there were bugs, and I, I had to get out of there. And then uh, one thing after the next started happening, and I finally got to the point where I had nowhere to live. I barely had a car. I my, my had trouble. I couldn't get hours at work. And I was in a really, really bad spot. And I called my dad, and I said, Dad, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm desperate. I got nothing. I'm down to, like, my last paycheck. They're closing the restaurant. This is happening. That's, I don't know what to do. He said, do you want to come home? I was like, I got a tank of gas. That's all I got. He said, all right. I'll see you tomorrow. He drove from New York to Alabama overnight to load up my stuff to drive me back to New York. Can I tell you something? I was 21. I wasn't a kid. I wasn't just, uh, I wasn't at college. I I wasn't away doing whatever. I I wasn't living a wild, crazy, uh, prodigal son lifestyle. I just, I had nothing. I had nowhere to turn. I didn't know what to do. I wasn't asking my dad to come get me, but he knew, in his wisdom, he knew, son, you need to come home. And he knew the only way you're getting home is if I come and get you. And he did that. Dad, I'll pay you back. I'll get a job. I'll get working. And I did. I came back. I started working right away. And I saved up the money that it took him to get down there, to rent a truck, to bring it back. Our car broke down. We had to get it fixed. So I saved up the money, and I went to give it to him. He said, what's this for? I said, I told you. I was going to pay you back. I'm not a kid anymore. He went, I don't know what you're talking about. He didn't care. Because he said, hey, You're still my son. You could be 50, and if you have a need, I'm going to take care of you. 
My dad's not a perfect guy. But can I tell you, Jesus is perfect. And when he says, I will take care of you, he takes that and he extends it into forever, into eternity, because his fathering doesn't stop. That's what Paul says. It doesn't matter. He also talks about this in the book of Philippians. And if you want to turn there, you can. I have uh, the verses up on the board for reference. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. It helps if I get to Philippians. We're familiar with these verses. Some of us might not be, but this is what it says. Not that I speak from want. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any kind of circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's a reality to this eternal father that meets our needs. And this is what Paul is saying. Look, it doesn't matter the situation I've been in. I've been in want. I've had plenty. I've been poor. I've been rich. I've been sick. I've been healthy. I've been in jail. I've been through all of these things. And you know what? It's all the same because Christ strengthens me. And I love in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. What it points to is we can know, we can have this personal relationship, and just like Paul's experiences, It gets stronger the more we experience what Christ is doing for us. It strengthens who we are. Through our experiences with Christ, our relationship is strengthened. It's not just, I I know him, but I know him. It's personal. And it continues. And through what he does for us, this providing, providential, protecting, it continues. I just think it's a cool thing. The last P this morning is promise. I'm going to fast forward really quickly. I'm going to read a couple of verses in Hebrews, but not spend a lot of time there because I know Pastor John is really excited about getting back into Hebrews. Yeah, I know. But I, <laughs> uh, but I, I think this is also cool. So promise. All right, so we've talked about the personal eternal father, the providential providing protector, and now the promise, the eternal fathering of promise. In uh, chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews, this is what uh, the writer puts on paper. He says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, behold... Days are coming, says the Lord, Well, I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I had made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, 
and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me, from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And when he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete, but whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. And I'm sharing that not to get into the thick of what it means in Hebrews, but this is a retelling of something that Jeremiah wrote, and he pointed to this new covenant, this new promise that God was making. And this new covenant and this new promise, this comes with an inheritance, but this new covenant, this new promise, this whole idea of they will know me, I will walk with them, they won't have to tell people because there's going to be a full revelation of who I am, and that's what Isaiah had talked about. That this full revelation, that there won't be, everybody's going to know because there is a real God, there is a real Christ, there is a real person, and they're going to see it. They're going to experience it. And here's what the great part of this is. I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will forgive their sins. And here's what's really neat. is because Jesus uses these words in Matthew chapter 26. He says, my blood poured out as a ransom for the many for forgiveness of sin. This is my blood, my blood of the covenant. This is the fulfilling of that promise. This covenant promise, this eternal fathering, happens through this. The blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. It's a promise that God made. It's fulfilled in this child, this eternal father. And through the completion of this promise, we share in this promise. This promise becomes a really cool word called inheritance. These are the things that we inherit through our father. And we can understand what that means because it's not really a big, deep theological term. It's an inheritance. It's what's, what I'm entitled to after my father is gone. Now, it wasn't much. We lived a modest life. He was in ministry. I came to understand that at an early age. We didn't always have what we wanted, but we had what we needed. And I've, I've learned to try to live like that. Maybe that's why I'm more minimalist than maybe I should be. But here's what's great about this inheritance. We share in this with Christ, and it's eternal for two reasons. One, because it is Christ, and two, he died, but he came back. So this inheritance is awesome, and it's talked about in the New Testament a couple of different times. Paul mentions it in Ephesians. He talks about, we've obtained this inheritance through Christ. He says it again in Colossians. You will receive this inheritance as a reward. And in Hebrews 9, he says that the writer says the same thing. The, he is the meditator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Through what Christ did, the forgiveness of sins, it points to salvation. To, to be able to have this relationship with God, this eternal Father, this wonderful Counselor, this mighty God, that we can have this relationship, that this is just another aspect, another characteristic, that there is an inheritance that comes from our eternal Father. And it's continued in His eternal fathering. And that's awesome to me that there is a father and he's still doing work. 
And we're still sharing in that. And while we're here, it may seem kind of crazy in bad days and good days, but there is an inheritance that is coming. And first Peter, in first Peter, Peter mentions it, and he says, it's perfect. It's eternal. It's unspoiled. Excuse me. It's unperishable. And it's not going to fade away. And it can't fade away. Because the person that holds on to that inheritance is the eternal Father, and that is Christ. So a Father forever. A Father that offers us salvation. And I guess that's where I kind of want to try to wrap up this morning and and just kind of present it back to you and to understand you know, we, we've talked about these different characteristics of God and we, we've talked about the Advent season and what we're looking forward to and we have this expectation of Christ and the Christ child and we, we, we sing these songs and we think about, man, such a cute baby. It's the eternal father. John called him the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. The one that walked and had compassion, that looked over an entire city and wept with tears and sorrow because it was an unbelieving people. That went to the cross and there was anguish. There was this turmoil inside of him because he knew what he was going to face. I'm a father now. And I read a Mark Twain quote and I thought it was pretty funny. He said, when I was 14, I realized... My dad didn't know anything. And then when I turned 21, I was amazed that he had learned so much in the last seven years. I probably butchered it, but you understand what I'm saying. And we don't understand. And we look at this relationship and we look at it and we go, eh, this really isn't for me. I'm telling you, it is for you. And there's going to come a point where you're going to go, really, this really was for me. And there was a reality to what the Bible says. And there is a reality to this person of Christ who is saying to you today, you're not here by chance. You're not here by coincidence. You're here today to hear Christ is our eternal Father. He wants that relationship with us. And if you're here and you're going, I had a bad relationship with my father, I have no idea what that means. I'm telling you, there are men and women in this room that have had bad relationships with their father that can tell you, I can tell you how God, how Christ is the eternal Father and how that relationship is vastly different than what you're experiencing now. You come talk to us. You're sitting here and you're thinking this morning, well, what's it mean for me? It means that we can turn over our anxieties. We can turn over the things that keep us held back. We can turn over the sin that we're dealing with, that we're fighting with, these inner struggles that we're battling against because we have a father who's looking at us going, I'll help you. Do you want help? I'm here to help you. We just have to be willing to give it in. Give it over. There's one more verse in Hebrews that I wanted to share because I love this verse. Hebrews chapter 7. I didn't write it on the board, and actually I added it as I was going through my notes this morning because I thought, what kind of ties this all together? And it says, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. That's a legal term, and I would tell you, For all of the things that my dad did, there's one thing that he never did. 
he never guaranteed anything for any of his kids. Do you know why? Because that is a term that means if I default, he's going to be responsible. If I mess up, if I have him sign on for a car and I don't follow through with the payments, they're going to stop calling me and they're going to call him. And he said, I love you, but I'm, that's where I draw the line. Hebrews tells us Jesus is the guarantor of this promise, of this inheritance. And we can stand in confidence knowing, hey, there's some reality to that. So I, I don't know. We're going to close in prayer, and uh, we'll have time for counseling. If you want to come forward, you want to talk, maybe there's just something you, you haven't been able to get rid of and you need help. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Okay, there's a really easy place to start there. But we'll be up here, and we'll pray with you. We'll help counsel you. We'll point you to the people that can help. But don't leave going, eh, it's not a, there's a reality The reality is that Christ came. He lived, he died, he rose again. And he stands as the eternal father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for what you've given us. We see this picture of Christ in in how he provides for us, not just our physical needs, uh, but something way more important, our spiritual needs. And those are needs that we probably don't even consider most of the time and haven't really thought about maybe uh, today or even in the last couple weeks, months, or maybe ever. But there's a reality to you. There is a reality to what you do for us. And there is this, this, this eternal relationship that you want with us. So, Father, I pray this morning if there's anybody here that doesn't know you or that has questions, that today would be a great day to get those answered. For those who are struggling through this holiday season with the loss of a parent or loved one, God, that you would give them extra peace and comfort. Uh, That's part of your fathering, is compassion and grace. And you pour it out on us so freely. And sometimes we totally, totally miss it. But God, we love you. Father, I, I close in, in, in today in, in just looking forward to this Advent season, the birth of Christ, that we celebrate in this child all these amazing, powerful things. Best is in your name, God. Amen. You're dismissed.